So welcome everyone to the second episode of Letters from the Inside, our five-part series looking at the Book of Philippians. I am your host, Tim Hardy, and my co-host is Kiara Thornton. Hi, Kiara. Hi. So to anyone just tuning in, last week we had the first episode where we talked about the background of Philippians and just got a little bit of the context. And this week, we're going to be looking at chapter one. But before we jump in, how are you today, Kiara? I think I'm doing well. Um, it was so like sunny and beautiful outside yesterday. But today is a little less sunny and we're supposed to get snow by the end of the week. So it's it, this week? Yeah, it's supposed to snow by Friday. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of like riding the wave of the weather right now. Like the sun is shining through my window in some moments. So I'm like, yeah, everything is fine. And then as it starts to get more cloudy, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how fine it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you on that. I think overall, though, I'm fine. What did, what did I even do yesterday? Now that you mentioned being outside, what did I? I don't even All know. the days. I'm telling you, they're running. They're running together. It's April. Yeah, the, the day of the week is April. Right. And the year that we are in is also April. It is, it is all one day, and it is all an one entire year. year simultaneously. Which, I wonder if that's how Paul felt when he was writing the letter to the church in Philippi. Oh, what Ooh. a good segue. Flawless <laughs> transition. So, yeah, again, we're going to be looking at Philippians 1, and... I'm going to be reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, because that's a translation I like. Kiara, which translation are you using? I have the ESV because I just have a, a lot of them in my house, and this one was the closest, and I like it. So, Yeah, so we each have our own translations, and you can read it in whatever translation you want, but I'm going to be reading from the CSB if you are the kind of podcaster that likes, or podcast listener who likes reading along as you listen, which I feel like is probably not most of you, but I gave you that option. So, all right, let's just jump into it. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So that's Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. So, Kiara, in this first section, what sticks out to you? I mean, I have... I have a thought about the section that I want to share, but I was listening to you read it 
And I don't know, this is one of the things I love about reading the scriptures. Like I've read this in preparation, but I've read through this before just in my life. And it's so beautiful that like as I read it, I, I'm still picking up new things. And that's the, the beauty of reading like the living word, like it not being just a letter that Paul wrote to his friends or to his family on mission, if you want to use that term. But this is also the living word of God. And so like as we're reading it, it's still breathing and speaking. And so I don't know. I just thought that was so cool um, to think through as we started reading through this. So that was just a little, t- little, little tidbit on the side. My actual first thoughts about the, this passage started in verse 1 where Paul says, um, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. That little, it's, it's a weird place to have anything about. But I noticed like in every other letter he writes to somebody, he says, I, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. Or um, Paul called into apostleship by the will of God. Like all of the other, most of the other letters that he's written to the churches, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, all the rest of them, Ephesians, he starts with this affirmation of himself as an apostle. This section, however, doesn't mention him as an apostle at all. He doesn't start like that at all. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. And I I don't have an answer for that, but I actually want to ask you a question, like what you thought about why Paul started this letter like that, acknowledging himself as a servant rather than like an apostle like he did in the rest of the books. That's a good thought and question that uh, I wouldn't have thought of, which is one of the dope things about doing a podcast a conversation versus just a teaching um yeah the first thing that comes to mind for me is i don't know i i think there's just sort of a relational element to that i don't know i mean there's a relational element to all the letters but i mean one reason why like philippians so much and why i wanted to look at it is the sort of like immediacy of it and just like the sort of personal uh, like deeper personal like element to it mm. so yeah I, th- I think that's probably just another example of that immediacy and like intimacy like it's just that's simpler like it's not like Paul the apostle like he, he still gives the context like servant of Christ Jesus like he wants the focus to be on Jesus and not him right but it's almost like it's not about him like and his qualifications is just like him as a friend talking to his friends in philippi about these things yeah and i think either even too like in other um like in other letters he acknowledges that he's an apostle but he also acknowledges like he's a father to a lot of these other churches and that they kind of he's kind of like shepherding them like under shepherding them with jesus into maturity in christ into all of um, the things that God has for him. But here, I think he's kind of highlighting this withness. Like, though he is still a father to the Philippian church, he, I think, in highlighting he's a servant, is highlighting that he's, like, with them. And you'll see Philippians, like you said it earlier, I think, in the earlier podcast, how this the tone is different and how this is a little meatier than what he would give other churches and other letters. Like, there's, uh, like, some spiritual depth that's 
in this this whole letter. And I think he's given this kind of depth and he's given this kind of relationship because it's like we are serving Christ together. Like we're both servants, though I may be an apostle, you may be a prophet, you may be a teacher, you may be an evangelist, you may be a pastor. Um, we're still all of us together servants in Christ. And so I fully agree with you. I feel like it's just highlighting that intimacy, that closeness, and that we're laboring together, you and I, the church. Yeah, yeah I agree. Like that's just, yeah, which I guess flows right into the next part, which that like after the greeting part that next like initial bit is one of my favorite bits in philippians it's funny when i was emailing you the link to this website where we're recording this podcast i noticed that like one of these verses in philippians is in my signature in my like email philippians 1 6 um but i'm gonna i'll just jump right into uh six where it says i am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And like, that's coming out of him, uh, just having that thankfulness, like for like the people in Philippi, like out of that relationship, just having that like joy, like joy in thinking, even just not writing, but just thinking about um, the Philippians, like just that joy and celebration in him about like, their partnership in the gospel from the beginning and he's like excited about that because it'll be carried to completion like he's got this faith and excitement in the journey from the first day like as he says in verse five like from the first day through completion through the fruition because of his faith in jesus like he has that confidence in like where it's going to end up and because of that he has got this like deeper faith about the right now because of his confidence about where it's going Mm. Mm. i just i just love that verse i just love verse six so much like i have a retreat that i did last year like out at suncrest and but yeah like i named the retreat fruition specifically because i love that idea of viewing the now through the perspective of the confidence of like what is to come, like the final victory. Man, I just love that. I love the the confidence that Paul has in Jesus. And it doesn't sound like a distant confidence. Like I'm like I'm pretty sure so and so might do this. Like I, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. But I feel like Paul was so close to the Lord during these times that he could say confidently, I know God is going to finish this in you. I just know it. I know he's going to complete it um, to the last day. And I feel like, of course, like we're admiring the intimacy that Paul has with the church. But I think for me, I admire even greatly the intimacy and confidence that Paul has in Jesus, which is kind of what you're talking about. Like this man who I'm talking about, I know he's faithful to complete what he said he's going to start in you. And I'm excited about it already because I know that it's going to happen. Like, I don't have any doubts about who God is and what he's going to do. And man, that, that gives me confidence. Like, if I wasn't confident in Jesus, reading that somebody else is confident in this man like this brings me to a place where I'm like, you know, okay, well, I mean, Paul kind of believes in you. Maybe you are, you know, maybe you are this trustworthy. And maybe I can actually be this confident in you too. Because Paul is a man just like, I, 
am not a man. He's a person just like I am. Yeah. Yeah. The source of that confidence is in Jesus, not in the other person. Um, and it's sort of this excitement that, um, you know, it's like an excitement born out of like Paul's own relationship with Jesus and his like experiencing what Jesus has done for him and in the lives of others. And because of that confidence in Jesus, he's able to have that like excitement. So it's like, it's not even like that he's excited for the Philippians and the fruition of their journey because like he's seen the awesome track record in them. Though he does compliment them a lot in this, but like, but like there's a sense where it's like, it's, it's almost like Paul's excited for the completion the consummation of what God's doing in Philippi, the way that somebody's excited to see someone like open a present, like, like think about like Christmas. Cause I got my Christmas tree up right now to lighten up my life while I'm <laughs> trapped indoors. Um, but like, there's that element of like, when someone's like opening a present, um, on Christmas morning and like a parent or a friend or whoever's like watching, like the present be open and just excited not because this confidence in like that person but confidence in like what they're opening and getting mm. and so there's like that sort of like excitement there in paul yeah excited for that which is something i like understand like that feeling because in my time in ministry like i know what it's like to like see someone's journey and just be really excited to see like what god has been doing is doing and will do in like different people's lives like like that's that's a real exciting thing like some of the most thankful times i've had have been when i've seen like friends and even like former students of mine like come up and get into these different roles and do these different things and just that excitement and seeing that journey like that's one of the best parts of ministry like yeah and i just i just think of like and my one friend uh like tyler like i knew him as a student when he was in like middle school and uh the other year like a few years ago he was the director of a week of camp that i was a counselor at so i got to see like him move up from like a student i knew to like running a camp event that I was like, I was technically like below him, like for that week. And yeah, like that's, that's one of the dopest things in ministry, seeing things like that happen. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. I am in full agreement with that. And I love like, even in the scripture, Paul is encouraging them one to like believe that this will come to completion or fruition, but also to recognize that you are in process acknowledging like that there is an in-process kind of thing happening here like things don't come to fruition if they're already at fruition you know so i love that paul even in his excitement doesn't discount the fact that there is a journey here and i know for me and having people walk with me all the years people walk with me in the lord and walking with other people um there'll be moments (laughs) where my friends would used to say oh um 
I'm just so excited for you. You're doing so good. Like you'll come to them and you'll say, oh my God, like my, I feel like my life is falling apart. Like the Lord is bringing me to this place and it's like hard and it's heavy. And people would say, oh, I'm so excited for you. And you should be like, why? Don't be excited. This is hard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it used to frustrate, it used to frustrate people. Even the people who came to ask, like they laugh, but they would be frustrated because it was just like the irony of excitement amidst process. It doesn't feel like great while you're in process. However, it is so exciting to like grow into that, to grow into who God is saying that you are and to like grow into what that means you can walk like. Um, and Paul is excited for that without discounting the fact that that is difficult and that is challenging and uncomfortable at some moments. And there is beauty in all that because it's, it's those things that will bring you to fruition. It's you walking with the Lord and getting to know him through those things that will bring you to maturity in Christ. Yeah. And a lot of that confidence in the now, like of whatever is happening in the moment, comes from that confidence in like the final product, like the fruition to the point where like when we're in the midst of like all these mess ups and goof ups and whatnot, like what you were describing. And I know that feeling and I'm, sure anyone listening to this knows that feeling it's like a lot of why we're able to have confidence in the midst of goofing up and all that is because of that like confidence of yeah but like this is the journey and this is where it's going to end up yeah so it's like we don't have to be worried about oh no we're gonna like the idea of like a wasted potential or whatever crap it's like yeah. no like it's 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 all like, I think of the, like, in Romans, like, all things work together. It's like, I don't have confidence it's going to, like, work out, like, in the end, because God is faithful. So, like, as we're faithful, too, like, it's going to work out. So, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't and, need to be worried. Amen. And even, even beyond just, like, the moments whenever you make a mistake or you mess up, like, the process of just sanctification itself of becoming more consecrated of the moments when you hear God's voice say, I need you to put this down. I need you to come closer to me. I need you to like, you know, those kind of things. And you make hard decisions for the faith or you make hard decisions in walking with the Lord. It's not like some moments are not even about seeing, like you just, this is just a hard thing that God has called you into. And some moments it's like, Lord, this feels horrible, you know, but Paul, like you were saying, like Paul, um, well, you weren't saying this, but we were talking about the same thing. But, you know, at the end of this section that we read, Paul is saying, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Like Paul is highlighting the process. He's highlighting the faithfulness of Jesus at the end, but he's also like giving them kind of like a sneak peek of what they're coming into that, that they may be able to prove for themselves, like what is excellent and pure, like that you would know him for your own selves in the same way that I do, or even more than I do, that you'd be able to say, Oh, this is the heart of the father. This is what's pure. This is what's blameless, you know, and you'd be able to share that with other people. He gives them so much confidence because I think this is the same thing that Jesus fed him those years that he was, studying before he became an apostle when he had like the the scale situation and the scales came off and then he like went up into the mountain for three years to just kind of immerse himself in the lord i feel like these are the things that 
God was spoon feeding him. And so then when he comes down and starts all these churches, I feel like he's just giving them what God gave him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that bit that you were like referencing there, like in that scripture passage, I have a note there for specifically verse nine, where like we're talking about all this confidence that Paul had. And then he says, like, um, in my version, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing, etc. And like, I like that, like, confidence that it's going to come to fruition, but he's still praying like that this would keep on growing, which <clears throat> kind of makes me think a little bit of like some of the funniness of when people hyper fixate on like sovereignty versus free will and all that like nonsense and we don't know how all that works out but like this passage is sort of an example of how both quote-unquote extremes work together in this mysterious way it's like like we have this confidence like this sure thing that god will do it but they're still seeking and pursuing more which I wrote down in my notes like that I could picture Steve saying like more Lord like the way he says that <laughs> mm -hmm, like that's, that's mm -hmm. sort of what what Paul's doing there like it's like I'm sure this is going to work out but also this thing that I know is happening and will happen more Lord more of it Jesus yes and I think I mean I think the obvious tie here is like just Paul's confidence in the simple gospel itself and just the simple truth of like what god says like we're not reading through romans but we a lot of people know romans 116 oh I, I will not be ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of god for salvation to the jews and also to the gentiles like i think paul has come to this place of confidence in just the simple gospel and so i think that it makes sense that he wrote the letter like this because i feel like that chance that translates really seamlessly into the second section so if, if you don't mind, like, I'd love to read it and then ask you, like, what your thoughts are about that section. Go for it. Verses 12 through 20 say, I want you to know, this is ESV. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has merely served to advance the gospel. So that it, it has become known throughout the whole world, the whole, not the whole world, throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak to the world without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and revelry, or rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. And the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and that with the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will, not, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is, my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always with Christ, will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Hmm. Yeah, I I like that your bit before you went into reading this was about Paul viewing the simplicity of like the gospel and all that. Because in my mind, like one of the biggest themes in Philippians, um, if I had to create like say like a big overarching theme, it might be like 
what does and doesn't matter and like the simplicity and i think like this section is like some of the beginning of getting into that um mm -hmm. like like the first thing that like sticks out the mind in that is in verses 17 and 18 when he's talking about the others proclaim christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely uh thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment what does it matter like just bluntly <laughs> saying like what does it matter um only that in every way whether from false motives or true christ is proclaimed and in this i rejoice and it's like that's i remember like last time like before the lead up to this podcast series like the last time i studied philippians last year like this was one of the sections that stuck out to me because it's so counterintuitive in a way like wait paul is saying the motives of other people sharing the gospel doesn't matter yeah. like like that that sounds like the opposite of what we think like it's about like the heart not the actions and all that but like for the furtherance of the gospel and for paul as far as him and his circle is concerned he does not care he does not like give a crap what's going on in like these other circles and bubbles and what people are doing and why insofar as like he he cares deeply about the truth of jesus being shared but beyond that he he don't care like he doesn't he doesn't care about that which is so contrary to how like we often think like like how much in evangelical circles like we obsess sometimes over like the motives of these different people and about like this call out and proving people are heretical and whatnot which discerning truth and seek and like weeding out false teachers has a significance it does like, like i would not pretend that doesn't matter at all but in a certain sense like in a way within your own like outside of your own bubble of influence that god's giving you don't worry about those stupid squabbles like it it doesn't really matter like as long as god's truth is being shared you know yeah yeah i think he's saying like i mean obviously he cares about the people's hearts like in the modes of them he writes so many letters like addressing people's hearts so he's not saying be negligent of that and you're not saying that either but he's saying like those things are not powerful enough to discredit the gospel they don't have enough weight to take away the like the inherent power that the gospel itself has so if you preach this sarcastically if you preach this um with ill intentions and if you preach it full of the spirit it itself is still the power of god for salvation so you could like <laughs> i've seen so many um documentaries of people who search the bible in in the with the intent of trying to like discredit it or disprove it or to write articles about how this is so fake and in doing that encountered christ and became christians even though their intention for reading this was like not to glorify it or to see its beauty or to even validate it but the gospel itself is so powerful that even those motives cannot stand above the power that it holds and that makes me think about the moments in history um, where the gospel has been used to oppress people well, not the gospel itself, but like the Bible 
has been used yeah. to oppress people yeah. and to um, keep laws in place that have hurt people. And when you think about that, you know, a lot of people come up with the question, like, why would I want to be a Christian if the Bible has been used to oppress people so much? And yet it's a crazy phenomenon. But in some of the people who've been oppressed over the years by the Bible, who the Bible has been used improperly to oppress, these same people still find hope in this very Bible, in these very scriptures. And it's because of the simple hope of the gospel. Of, of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Yeah. That reminds me, or that makes me think of like what you were saying after I read like the first chunk of Philippians and just the way that hearing it read aloud, like what your feelings were on that. And that makes me think of like in the Old Testament when like the one king found the scripture and the scripture, like the law was just read aloud. And the act of reading the scripture aloud was this like really powerful like moment creating like all this like spiritual like like leading to like the presence yeah. of of God and repentance and all that. Like it was just the reading of scripture. Um and there's this just beauty of it where scripture in and of itself, like there's just a power to it. Like yeah, like we're looking into like the scripture deeply in this conversation. And uh, in the last episode, I mentioned like one theory about how the letter was constructed. And there's this interesting stuff you can think about and try to pick apart in all of it. But ultimately, wherever you like, whatever you think about these little details, ultimately, however God chose to assemble it, when it's read aloud and a person filled with the spirit like engages it, there's just this evidence that however it all works out like this scripture is like the collision of god and humanity and it's 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 like rich and deep and meaty like whatever we do to it like it's god just speaks through it it's just there you can't you can't not yeah. soak up some level of that Yes. Like, yes, you can if you have, like, an aggressively hard, like, heart. But even then, like, the spirit can be like, nope, gonna melt that heart. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were, like we were alluding to earlier, we're not, we're not just reading letters. The scripture isn't just words. It is a person. It's living, you know, John talks about the word becoming flesh. Like, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Like, this is a person that we're reading. This is the person of Jesus. This is the person of God expressed in various parts, you know. And so I, I'm thinking about um, Esther, which this is so many scripture references. Sorry if it's like stressing you out, listener, to go through all of these uh, scripture references. Um, hopefully, like you're walking with us in all this. Um, but it reminded me of this part in Esther where Mordecai comes to her and he says, you know, perhaps you were you were. What does he say? Perhaps you were made or you were born for such a time as this? Yeah, yeah. And he tells her, like, you can rise up, but if you don't, God is going to use somebody else. And don't think that you're going to be spared because you're living up here in this castle. This is a, a, a paraphrase for sure. Uh, but he yeah. says, like, you can participate, but don't make no mistake. Like, if you choose to not participate, know that God will raise up somebody else. Like, this is his work. And it's the same thing that Paul is highlighting here. Like, 
you can do this with the right motive or not, but ultimately this is God's work that he's doing and he's going to get it done regardless of what you have going on in your heart. It's going to happen the way he says it's going to happen. And Paul's just confident you, in that. Go ahead. And when you're, when you're saying there, Palm Sunday, like if, if they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. Right. Like, it's there. You can't stop it. Yeah. He's, he's going to be faithful. That's it. So, I mean, as you think about it like that, it makes so much sense that Paul is confident in what God is doing in these people. These people who have said, I love you, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I have no idea what that really means. <laughs> it's so good that he's confident in them because he knows this fact about the gospel, that it's, it's not going to be stopped. God is going to be faithful. So, of course, I can trust him to bring you to fruition, to bring you to completion. He's been faithful about everything else. Yeah. And then to bring all of this down um, to like apply some of this to a more immediate sense, like there's all these like great truths about scripture, like just speaking and God speaking through scripture. And like I, when I was prepping for this and rereading this chapter, like this morning, I even had a little bit of that, like myself. I mean, you were talking about earlier, like something different sticking out to you, like just now mm -hmm. um, in this. And like, I had some of that here where like that part that I mentioned about like 17 and 18 that like started this with like the, what's it matter their intentions. It's something that like God said to me this morning as I was reading it is just in light of like where we're at right now with all the pastors and christians doing stuff online mm -hmm. like if i can just be real right now like there's a big part of me that is like super cynical about all that um as much as like i'm like part of that as a worker in a church and doing this podcast and all that so i'm in it so i obviously don't think it's inherently bad right and even a lot of the like people like that i've been more like feeling weird about it's like people that I love like it's not bitterness toward those people but I felt like a lot of cynicism at times uh during this lockdown of thinking like all these pastors these Christians like just striving for relevance and borderline like fame like I don't know like like I, I don't know like intentions and can't and shouldn't judge but I've had like rise up in me different times of like how many of these people are doing this to like connect people and like bring God's truth and how many are doing it out of vanity? Cause I think a lot of ministry, like vanity is all up in that. Um, so like how many of these people are making these videos and doing these things as a like, Ooh, look at me kind of thing. And like, I just fair or unfair. Like, I, like I'm just admitting publicly on record on this podcast. Like I, <laughs> That's cynicism about that but like here like paul in that situation's like Doesn't like he's matter. literally he's talking about that exact same thing like whether or not they are sharing it out of selfish ambition not sincerely like what does it matter whether false motives are true christ is proclaimed and in this i rejoice so i was like looking at that this morning and i was like dang even if some of these people like might not be doing it out of pure intentions, which again, like in all of this, I'm assuming so much that I shouldn't, <laughs> but let's even say that like some of it is out of the wrong intentions and it's like 
selfish ambition, like notice me kind of thing. Mm. Even, even if some of it's that, like, why do I care so much about yeah, that? Like, you have to get stuck there. And like verse 20, like makes me think of like Facebook and ministry and whatnot too. Like my eager expectation is hope that I will not be ashamed about anything. Um, and like that sticks out to me because like the trap that like some people get caught in and I've been in it some too though like this is one like unlike the earlier thing this is a battle that in this season of my life I care less about but it still surfaces occasionally but that battle of like caring what other people are even saying about other people which I guess is ironic for me to bring up because I just was talking about other people <laughs> um but yeah it's just the element of like not needing to like judge and discern others sincerity and also not needing to assert your own sincerity and prove like your own thing it's just this confidence of like just leave it up to god like i don't need to play these games of mm. proving my legitimacy or discerning other people's legitimacy it's like i don't know i'll just guess i need to just seek god and let him sort it out mm -hmm. and he will that that's so good and of course, like, we, we know that there's always two sides of this, like, that's not dismissing the moments where the Lord is like, you need to go talk to this person about this thing, or like, we need, or the things need to be addressed in our own heart, concerning where we have wrong moments, motives, you know, so it's not, it's not discrediting that there's a role for that. But like you're saying, like, that's not always our place. The Lord is the one who sits on the judgment seat, ultimately, and he will like decide if this was true, if this is not, when you stand there and all your works are in the fire, and we see what's left, then we'll know what was true and what was not. But until then, I think it connects to what we were talking about in the last podcast when I was talking about Robbie Zacharias and apologetics. Some of the heart behind addressing some of those things is just to remove that barrier out of the way so people can meet Jesus. So like for some people who couldn't come to the gospel because they were stuck in the fact that some people preach this falsely, some people preach this with wrong ambitious some people are hypocritical not that that doesn't matter but this statement that paul is making kind of removes that obstacle from having to be the forefront of your thinking and having to keep you from being able to meet the person of jesus because even if people are doing that what they're saying is still true the gospel is still true and trustworthy even if the people are still growing in that area absolutely and yeah and a lot of this is a lot easier for us to be okay with and like go through like if our identity is right and if we've like died to self and alive in christ and all that like not needing to defend ourselves but just having a heart that's pointed to god yeah. um which i feel like segues pretty well into this next section so unless you have something else you need to highlight in this last section. I did have one more thing. It was actually a question, but it kind of switches gears a little bit. Okay. When I read the Bible, I usually like read and take notes because it just helps me like think to see the stuff on the paper. Um, but I'm often asking questions of the Bible. Like what, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean when you say this or, or what, what are you actually saying? Uh, and so in verse 14, Paul says, um, and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and much more bold to speak are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And my question was, how, how is 
his imprisonment emboldened people to speak the gospel. Like I was reading through it and I was unsure like how he was saying that was happening. Do you have any thoughts about how that's happening? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, my main thought is that like Paul's life and testimony is setting the example of like in all this like what doesn't doesn't matter and the lord will provide and all that i mean paul had a real like tough experience leading up to this and he's like imprisoned during this and yet he's still able to have the heart and spirit that he has and the gospel still able to continue as it is so yeah my my thought is the example set by Paul is such an example where like people see it and think I can do this. Like it, like it's okay. Like, like Paul's shown that example. So I don't have to worry about, Oh, is this all in vain? Like, like I need to leave. It's like, no, he has set the example of one, how to endure the pain and two, how the pain isn't stopping like the work so Mm. that's my feeling no that makes a lot of sense to me and i feel like that connects really nicely to the next section section like if he's saying my imprisonment and the example that my life is setting is like living testimony to the power and truth of the gospel so much so that it encourages other people like from what you're saying to believe that they can do this to believe that I I can continue to speak the gospel and actually I can be more bold about it because you threw this man in prison and it didn't break him at all so what am I really going to be afraid of like what can you really do to me I think that makes so much sense then for him to transition from that into this next section that you're about to read so that's really good so jumping in with verse 21 and going to the end for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. So what's something that sticks out to you in that wonderful chunk of verses? (laughs) It's so so meaty there Uh, and heavy. Like, you know, don't read this and just feel like, oh, this is so lovely and beautiful. Paul is talking about literally dying in prison. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to have some thoughts on that. But... Right. 
But actually, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, I am an avid anime watcher. I really love anime. I don't know if people know this about me, but um, within the last, like, six or seven years, my brother introduced me to it. And I just, I really like it a lot. And so, um, in a lot of the animes that I watch, they're kind of like a superhero anime where, like, one of the characters is becoming the greatest of all time. They're, like, saving the world or they're becoming the best. And it's their journey from being, like, nobody um, or being regarded as nobody moving to somebody and everybody realized that they always were somebody. It just hadn't come to fruition yet, speaking of fruition. And so <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite animes right now is One Piece. I watch it a lot. And um, the main character, Luffy, People come to him all the time, like trying him, trying to fight him, um, trying to like intimidate him. And he's like where I am in the series. He's still a rookie. He's still growing. Like he's not the number one anything yet, but he believes he will be. But people who've heard about him will come to him and like try to intimidate him. And a lot of times he just doesn't do anything. He just ignores them or like is still trying to eat trying to find some food like he is not intimidated or moved he's unbothered by what these people are trying to do and it's because by the end he beats them like really badly and they lose and so I, it's such a lame example but i feel like that's the same thing that paul is talking about with the people here like your your lack of fear when people come to intimidate you your um ability to still believe in all this still have faith in all this when stuff is coming at you just further proves that these these things that came against you are headed for destruction and it proves to them that they're not going to win eventually the enemies that go against the guy in the anime i was talking about they get nervous when he doesn't start to respond back to them the way they thought he should they start asking questions like why why are you not like this and it's because he's confident in the fact that he's going to beat them down we're not going to literally beat anybody down. That's not what the scripture's saying. But it's the same kind of confidence. Like, what can you do to me? Really? So I just love this. I love the, the thugnificent nature of this part of scripture. Yeah, and I think that bit that you were highlighting there, like, especially from, like, verses, like, 27 and 28, well, like, into the end. But yeah. I feel like what you were pointing out there you're answering like your own question from earlier oh it's like that like confidence that like paul has and that like example is why his story is giving confidence to like the church in philippi because they're able to see paul and he's able to just like walk through and all this stuff uh i don't want to say bounces off because he feels the effect right heart and in his soul and in his like foundation and god like it's in that sense he's not shaken so he's just able to go through and endure the suffering endure the isolation all that stuff out of faith in to bring it back to the first bit like the fruition of everything Mm -hmm. like he has that confidence in that and it's funny because this mentions another fruition but it's the opposite fruition like he has confidence that the church in philippi that their faith um, will come to completion whatever messiness might exist now it'll be perfected and he has the opposite confidence like for like those in the world who have who are evil and antagonistic 
or even who might like have impure motives and all that. It's like this this is a sign of destruction for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like this is proof like they're gonna they're gonna come down like sooner or later God's gonna cut them down. Yeah. So so he has just confidence in that and his confidence in that and walking through like sets that example for the church of Philippi and sets that example for us to be like, all right, I I don't have anything to worry about either. Like if, if Paul didn't need to be worried, I don't need to be worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is I love what I love what you're saying right now, Tim. Like this is not one, it's not courage in himself. Like he's not he's not boasting in his ability to bring these things to destruction or his ability to get back at the Roman guards who wronged him or the people in the synagogues who didn't believe him. Like this is not that kind of confidence. This is not vengeful, you know, and it's not confidence in he's not leading people into confidence without Jesus. They're just confident in themselves or their team or their church or any of that other kind of thing. Like he is fully aware that he will still encounter suffering in this, but it is in the Lord and in the Lord's timing and in the Lord's like choice of how justice will be served. So he knows it's going to come, but he doesn't take the responsibility on that belongs to the Lord of deciding how that's going to happen or when, you know? And I respect that so much about these these verses. Yeah. And and so, like, at the beginning of what you were just saying, like, you mentioned, like, the guards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we're stumbling upon, like, by accident, this way that, like, the story of Philippi and Paul, like, there's, like, a thread through it all. Because, I mean, what we're saying, like, in the general, like, Literally, that's how this church started by Paul and Silas being in prison, and they didn't they didn't like fight the guard and like beat them down. They sat there singing, and then when God rescued them from that like prison, they even like went out of their way to save the life of like that soldier, like wow. stop him from killing himself and introduce him to the gospel and salvation. So, like, yeah, like, they didn't, they don't need to, like, tear the stuff down, though, like, in the whole journey of scripture, like, you can see God will raise people up to call out, like, things in empire really directly and, like, do that sort of, like, justice activism type work out of the bigger umbrella of the gospel. But, so, like, I'm not saying, like, we don't engage that at all, but we're not going down and, like, like this mob, like fighting yeah. things down, like fighting people. And we even can have the heart where, like this still says like in this letter, like a sign of destruction for them, like good, right justice of God means some of these people are going to be destroyed. And yeah. that's a good thing, but that's always the second best option. Like, right. I, like some Christians have trouble accepting that evil people in power being destroyed is better than continuing the way that they are. Um, but that is true, but that's not in our hands. And that's always the second best option, better than them staying in power, but worse than them having salvation. Like salvation is always the best option mm-hmm. for people, like evil people in power. And then 
if their heart isn't that way and there's not salvation for them, then the Lord in his time will tear them down. But, right. But it's like the grace there for them. And again, that's the story. Like, the, I think that's my favorite thing so far in our like podcast series, like me reali- realizing the relationship between that story and this letter. The story in Acts 16? Yeah. And that like relationship from that Acts 16 story of Paul in Philippi right in the journey that probably founded this church to the time when this letter was written. And like, that's, that's the spirit. Like there's this thread there of confidence in the Lord. Right. It's just like what Jesus said when he came, um, when he said, I didn't come to condemn. Um, He said that because the people already stood condemned. If you didn't have him, you already standing in that spot. You know, it's just like you are, you're already standing in a pit of tar. Like I didn't come to put you in a pit of tar. I came to tell you, hey, you're standing in a pit of tar. Would you like to get out of that? And then if you say, no, I'm enjoying it here in this pit of tar, like the way it bubbles on my feet, then we just are like, all right, cool. That sounds good. And then you just keep sinking down and then, you know, bye-bye you. It sounds so horrible to say, but it's that same kind of thing, like, the path that you're on, if you, if you haven't come to the Lord, is already this path. And its end is death. I come to tell you that you don't have to stand there if you don't want to. There's another option provided for you from Jesus. If you want to take that, would you like to take it? And then you have the ability to choose. So here, like Paul isn't highlighting some like tyrannical God who was just waiting to destroy, you know, people in power. People out in this space already stand in that spot and the grace of God comes and says you can move if you want but people choose not to and so I mean that's where they end up in destruction if you and we all have that like we all were standing there until the light of the Lord came and said hey you can move you know yeah absolutely like yeah that's it's good stuff like so you want to take a hard turn back into the first part of that section. Yeah, sure. 21 through 26. Yeah, um, what were your thoughts about that that area, the, the whole first section where he's talking about his life and dying and all of that? Because you said you had thoughts about that earlier. Yeah. I mean, like sort of like the core thought that I think, like this this section that gets quoted a lot, like really colors a lot of how I view this whole like letter and really helps like put into perspective what I personally think Paul's like mindset is at this time, which this, I should preface this by saying this might be a little more eisegetical than exegetical. I might be like imposing this on the What text. What does that mean? Eisegetical and exegetical. What do those words mean? Right. Um, I probably shouldn't use just theological terms. Just very large them. ones, you know. If, if I wrote yeah. that in Scrabble, I would win, for sure. Yeah. So, exegeting is when you look at Scripture and bring something out of it. Like, there's, like, the idea of, like, exegetical studies. Like, when you, like, the, the X part of that is, like, to bringing out. out. Okay. Yeah. So, kind of, kind of like, explaining. Okay. So, eisegesis would then be the opposite of that, that's when you're bringing stuff into it that's not there. Okay. So if you're exegeting a passage, 
you're looking at it to find what's there. If you're eisegeting it, which is not a good thing, if you want to know what the thing actually says, that's when you're bringing your own stuff to it and like forcing that in there. It's tricky because um, as has already been evidenced in these first couple episodes, like part of engaging scripture is like what you bring in it and being aware of that and letting that highlight what's already there. But in studying it, you don't want to impose your thoughts on it. You want to bring stuff out of it and then understand what's already there maybe better through the perspective of what you already bring to it. But the focus shouldn't be what you bring to it. The focus should be what's in there. That makes sense. I don't want to like eisegete too much and impose on it. But my feeling when I look at Philippians is like looking at Paul's mindset. Like we talk about like to live as Christ, to die as gain. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Christians talk about it in an almost like Zen Buddhist kind of way. Like, oh, just so like elevated and just such a high <laughs> it's level. It's above of me now. I'm beyond this. Yeah. Like I don't care about it. I think when he wrote this paul literally wanted to die like yeah. like i'm like i mean that in the very literal kind of way like like whatever words you want to use to describe that whatever kind of like ideation or whatever you want to call it again i might be isogeting too much like putting it in there but i think paul literally had thoughts when he wrote that about i would enjoy being dead right now Mm. but uh, like while i'm alive i have confidence in the lord um which that's a that's a bold and heavy claim but like like that's like when i read this letter that's like i can't not see that like when i i think last year taught a sunday school class on Philippians like when we were going through the Bible project last year like when I had Philippians and I read like the letter all in one sitting the first time like that is what I got out of that and I recognized an element of that attitude in the rest of it but then finding God in that and um, relying on God on that instead of like the feelings that that was a factor in Paul having the what does and doesn't matter perspective through all of this from like the like in the earlier section about the intentions of other people to like the other stuff will come to like in the other portions I think that's why he had these strong like it was clicked into place for him on what is and isn't important because frankly I think he was wrestling with a lot of like what matters like when he says i was torn between the two i longed to depart and be with christ which is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake that's that's my feelings on that so yeah that's nice and heavy what do you think about that (laughs) observation uh i think you were spot on he said it's nice and heavy hi I agree um, that it's incredibly weighty the way you explained it. You know, I have I have a lot of perspectives 
on this because of just the profession that I've worked in over the years um, and dealing with people who wrestle with life and death very often and helping them wrestle through this and how they think through this and if they're going to um, like continue in the way that they've continued or if they're going to make some changes in their life or just what they're going to choose out of this these feelings that they have. That was largely my responsibility for a while. And so in this, with my experience too, um, Paul's wrestlings sound similar but different to those that I've heard from other people. And when I say different, I, I, mean, I mean this. Um, a lot of people, when you get into this place of like despair or immense like pain and sorrow, just escaping from the pain feels so like the thought of it feels good the thought of being able to exit this hard hard experience or escape that feels really good and so that's what people fantasize about just the escape like being able to get out of this pain and that looks different ways for different people like some people will just be like i need a vacation you know and for them the fantasy of vacation feels like the solution to kind of escape this moment of discomfort, agony, whatever. Paul, I don't think, is like fantasizing the escape, like getting out of the thing. I, I don't know if he thought about that that thing that much, but I, I mean, he's in it. Like the pain was real. We're not discrediting that. Getting beat and dragged out of a city and brought back in the city is a real and tangibly painful thing. So Paul like, is very familiar with suffering. So I don't think... He, his thoughts are him escaping the thing more than they are the reality of the beauty of what being with Christ is. And the thought of being there with him. I think he was fully convinced that he would be with him at that moment. I think that that was the pull on his heart more so than I just am ready to escape this pain. Though the thought of wanting to escape the pain is probably there. I don't think that that is the main thing that influenced him to write that. Did that make sense? That makes sense. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think that's like the most common understanding of it. And I think a pretty easy case could be made for that being the more right um, interpretation of where Paul was at. But yeah, I, I think I still like think a lot about like the perspective I shared on that mm-hmm. in so far as, um, I don't know, because like there's, there's like the different there's a difference between having like those thoughts and like that like resurfacing like idea and whatnot versus actually like pursuing it like those Mm -hmm. being like different things and also like what we were talking about earlier with how like personal and intimate of a letter this is and knowing it was written like late in his ministry like i think that's why that i think that's a big part of why like that perspective like sticks out to me in it which in going in like recording this episode like i was on the fence on like how direct i wanted to even be about that Mm -hmm. hypothetical possibility because that's heavy stuff to just like throw out there but then especially during this like season of being locked in and what that is like doing for like certain people but then I thought like you know what that's all the more reason to be like whatever let's just 
engage that possibility instead yeah. of pretend it's not there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like, agree. I yeah, agree with I mean, that. I go. You go. You go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I just, I think I just see in that that sort of spirit. Uh, like I don't, I don't think like the way he talks about suffering and whatnot. I don't think it was only a matter of this life is good, life eternal with God is so much better. Like, it, right. like that's like, the better option. I don't know. I just because I think of like I don't know this whole thought of like what goes on in people's hearts makes me think of um, Jesus in the garden and when he says like like tells like god the father like if it's possible like let this cup be removed but not my will but yours be done i i like i think that's like jesus in the moment was literally thinking like for me personally i would like to not do this but i'm still like gonna do this um, so there's that like human element because Jesus was fully God and fully human okay. simultaneously. So he didn't sin in doing this, but he still did this. He thought like, I'd rather not do this. And I think, so in that same way, like, I feel like if I'm right in what I like pick up in Paul's um, experience and like what he's like sharing there in his heart, like, I, I think, I think part of why this sticks out to me is there's this beauty in that of having those thoughts and that battle is itself not a sin and not a reason right. for shame. And it's like a thing you can like engage and deal with. And then out of that, um, like then work out of that and grow in that. And that can be a time of like growth and the Lord speaking to you through that pain. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's something Jesus experienced, which what Jesus experienced, I think, is very different and in some ways the opposite of what I'm implying Paul was feeling, um, because Jesus wanted to keep on living and not go and die. But there's still that idea of like having that feeling is not inherently sin, depending on what you do with it, which I think is a great freedom because I think there's often these shames and stigmas about these different mindsets yeah about what you can think what you can feel yeah which Mm -hmm. ultimately end up making things like worse in a lot of ways but it's like no it's it's okay to feel this and it's okay to wrestle with this like that's Mm -hmm. that's fine um Yeah. yeah and to even think like further in that that this was a letter that he wrote to his friends so he knew that somebody would read these, these wrestlings, these thoughts that he had about maybe living, maybe dying, maybe gaining, maybe gaining in a different way, you know, like mm-hmm. he knew that people would read these. And I don't know the extent of um, how he knew how people would read these, like if he thought people would stand in a space and read them aloud, or if he thought they'd be read, excuse me, in secret and then pass to other people, like person to person, house to house kind of thing. I don't know how he thought they would receive this letter, but he knew that other people would read these. Um, and I think for me, that is one of the things I respect most greatly about Paul um, is that he just didn't, 
allow himself to go through all of that by himself and only in his mind. Yeah. Like it's one thing to have these real and tangible and genuine thoughts in response to pain and suffering. It's one thing to have them, um, to have them on their own, but to only let them exist in your mind, just between you and your mind, I think is a different kind of thing. And I, I think that there's something honorable about him sharing this with his family, the people he felt so close to, so um, committed to. Because I don't know if he says these same kind of things to the other churches, but to these people who he loved, who he considered family, I think it's healthy and like worthy of us modeling to share these things with your family and to think through them. Family on mission, sometimes your literal family, because they're real. This is a real thought process in relationship to extreme pain and agony. Yeah, um, which I, there's like a verse in the next chapter that further shows how open like Paul is being with this. Like we're not going to go into it because that's for next episode. But right. when he's when he's talking about like his his friend like who was sick, like he mentions in chapter two verse twenty seven. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Mm. So, yeah, like there's the, like I think that like connects to this section too, like that sort of like spirit and that heart of like he's experienced sorrow upon sorrow and just um, which I feel like that experience with his friend affects this too, like some of his willingness to like keep fighting in spite of how long this battle's been against Rome and against the religious leaders and against right. like all this. It's like his experience with this other person helps flavor like his attitude toward himself and how much of a blessing it is for him to keep striving on mm -hmm. it's okay because like if i keep doing this this is going to be a blessing i just connect to those other verses we were looking at where his example is setting the example for like the people in philippi and he's like yeah like this is setting an example for you and others so for y'all's sake and your own well-being I'm going to keep doing this. Like, I'm going to keep fighting this battle because for many reasons, like, a big part of it is just being faithful to the Lord and his calling. But then in it also, there's that, like, loving others and caring for them. This community aspect of, like, us caring for each other is a big part of what builds us up. Like, mm -hmm. knowing that other people care about us builds us up. And us caring about others builds us up too and like helps us seek the Lord. Like that's a great motivator in that. Yeah. And then, and then like a connected thought that's also in response to what you were saying, like about like being open and honest about different things. Like this just makes me think of like a lot of like the best like friendships that I have and like the people that I've been able to like share with and talk to and like my harder like bits of life and different struggles and like my own story and whatnot like I have like certain like closer friends that like I'm able to like talk to and like share with and and I have like people that I reach out to to see how they're doing too like I have these friends who I know I can share a lot about myself with which 
I'm going to, I don't know if she'll listen to this, probably not. So I'm going to give a shout out to Helen, who's <laughs> a really good friend that like, especially yeah. like in the past year or so, like has been like one of the best examples of someone I've been able to really talk to and share with. Um, and then my friend Ashley is like another one, like these people who I can just be super honest with, just honest with and just the blessing of that. And then I have like friends, like I was reaching out to like one of my friends, um, from not in our church uh, to see how they were doing and like they didn't like respond right away but then when I was talking to them later like admitted that they didn't like respond partly because it was like a like worst day which I know that feeling of not replying because it's a worst day but like just that blessing of that community and people mm-hmm. you can be real with in that sense and just and I think about like a couple years ago when I was in a season where I felt like I didn't have like people to talk to and like the real like sense and just like that was like a bigger battle than like back in 2014 when like my grandma died and Mm. that same year my mom like had cancer and that was like a year-long battle with chemo she's healthy and good now but like like that wasn't like an easy year but the year when I felt like I had like struggles and like my heart and I didn't know that I had like any relationship with people to like be honest with that was a harder year for me yeah so so yeah just that blessing and that necessity like it's not good for man to be alone like that need for relationship yeah we need each other for sure. My goodness. And Tim, I really, I really appreciate your vulnerability in this moment to just share um, that, that honest part of your heart that's gone through this. And I think it's so relatable um, for the listener. It's so relatable for me having seasons of, you know, not, not being sure where to talk to people about the realest thoughts in your heart, who to talk to about the, the, Things that are most unpolitically correct. <laughs> That's not how you should say <laughs> that. But you just, you know, these are things, yeah. there are things that are socially normative that you should say and things that you shouldn't. But there should be a space where you can do the shouldn'ts. Because I think that's healthy, you know. And I think even right now, this is so relating, so relevant and relatable to where we are, we are right now, being able to be inside our houses but being instructed to be distant from each other physically as much as possible um it can be really hard and there's an obvious connection between these thoughts and thoughts that other people could be having in this season that we're all experiencing like various degrees of discomfort like for some people this is kind of just irritating but for others this has been a really devastating time period since this isolation has begun has begun has begun and so I think this this little last bit is so encouraging um, to just continue to reach out to other people. And even though you can't physically be with people, don't make the mistake to believe that you don't need other people. And that isolation is a better thing because even Paul in prison did not choose solely to be isolated. Even with his hardest, darkest thoughts, um, he still shared them with his family. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it can be real tempting to just try to numb yourself with 
Netflix and YouTube, mm -hmm. like on the more quote unquote innocent end of the spectrum, or on the other end of the spectrum, people who um, battle with like substance like abuse and whatnot. Like, it can be real easy to just numb yourself, but yeah, it's just that real pressure, or I don't know if pressure is the right word, but that real like need for like one, for us to be willing to reach out when we need it. And then two, like for God to illuminate people on our hearts that we need to reach out to. And that's definitely like really important, like in this time, like real big. Mm -hmm. And you're complimenting me for being vulnerable, but I only did that because I'm going to delete that from this. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I think um, a good direction for us to pray in today um, is just into that, into that connection piece and into us being able to wrestle with heavy things, wrestle with confidence in God bringing us to completion, but also wrestle with the heaviness of being in process and in progress with God and with each other and with ourselves. Absolutely. So, since you already have those thoughts, <laughs> you, you would like to pray. <laughs> I'll pray this time, but you pray in on episode three, okay? Prepare your heart. All right. <laughs> hey. Hey, listeners, I'll let you know. I prayed before we started recording, so this isn't me not wanting to pray. Okay. Pray. Okay. Didn't you talk about not needing to uh, validate yourself, <laughs> justify yourself? Okay. Uh. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think I'm going to conveniently, I'll conveniently delete that from oh, the episode. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> well, let's pray, everybody. Father, we love you. And you love us. And for everyone listening who will hear this, and for Tim and I, God, I just invite your spirit to be really near to us right now. We discussed some really heavy things in this first chapter of this letter. We highlighted, you highlighted really, the beauty of you being faithful to finish what you started, you being faithful to the gospel, that it will accomplish everything that you said it's going to accomplish and you being faithful to make us into the people that you said that we are. And so God, I pray that for us, for the people listening, but also for the people that come up in our hearts as we listen to this and think, I want that for this person. I just pray that over them, God, um, that you're faithful to bring us to that place. You're faithful to bring us through whatever progress we process we have um, to the place that you've designed for us from the beginning of time but also lord there is suffering there's suffering sometimes in the middle of being in process in the middle of isolation or what feels like isolation in the middle of economic change in the middle of our lives god there is suffering and so lord i pray um that you be really close to us during this the the time when we experience suffering and God will you give us courage to stand in this to stand with you to stand with others and to not run away from these things in our in our own hearts or in our own thoughts but to trust that your sovereignty is enough to hold even the parts of us that are ugly even the parts of us that are unpolished God we believe that your sovereignty extends even into those um we bless you, and I just pray for um, the people who receive this, whoever needs this, God, give them what they need, because you're faithful to do so. 
Um, we love you, and we can't wait to do this again with you next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kiara, and thank you, listeners. We'll be back next week with Letters to the Church, Episode 3, where we will look at Philippians Chapter 2. <laughs> letters to the so, Church. <laughs> what did I say? Letters to the Church. But it's letters from the inside. <laughs> letters from the inside. I am... <laughs> I know exactly what the name of this series is. I, <laughs> I am yet again incredibly good at this. Mm, wonderful. So, so come back next week. In the meantime, all of y'all go read the book of Philippians because it's awesome. I'm glad you listened to us engage it, and I hope that this illuminates stuff for you. But um, as we were saying earlier, there's no substitute for engaging scripture yourself. Yeah. So, um I'll challenge you to at some point, like out loud, read the whole book of Philippians yourself. Um, yeah. And if you so, have any thoughts, um, as you see this posted in different places, feel free to engage us too. If you want to like leave comments about it or message us about it, we're open. Except me. Don't talk to me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Sometimes I see people on Twitter say, don't at me. No, this is the opposite. Please at me. Please, <laughs> I would love to be at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so may God bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you. And uh, yeah, peace be with y'all. <laughs>